0: trouble. It's going to get there. He turned 32 yesterday. Does he have a vintage moment in In the end zone? It is
1: caught for the win! All right, so welcome to episode 26 of the Average Cheese Podcast. I'm Dale Lobo. We have Peter Jones again with us. It is the day before, so it is Christmas Eve, Eve day. I don't know. That makes no sense. It's the 23rd of December. I hope to get this out on Christmas Eve, so Merry Christmas to all you folks that celebrate Christmas. I don't know, I'm not Jewish, so Happy Hanukkah. I think it's like a couple of days into Hanukkah, so Happy Hanukkah to you. Happy Kwanzaa, if you're an African American and you're in our listenership. We appreciate all of you. And Peter, it is great to talk to you
0: again. How are you? I'm, I'm good, Dale. Great to talk to you, too. It's, um Yeah, happy holidays to, to everybody, and yeah, just... um. Good to be here and looking forward to spending a few days with with Mrs. Jones and just taking it easy.
1: And I could have just said happy holidays and not been so damn verbose about it, but it's what I do. I like to hear myself talk, so I'm sorry. Happy holidays, everybody. Maybe I'll edit the rest of that other crap out, but I won't. All right, so week 14, Packers 24, Carolina 16. Just tell me something, Peter. What do you got?
0: What I've got is good first half, bad second half. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's how I sum that game up. I think mostly what strikes me again, and this has been a constant theme throughout this season, yeah, I'm trying not to be too critical because we've scored a lot of points. The offense has moved the ball the majority of the season. But This recurring theme of the offense disappearing for a quarter and a half, even two quarters, just seems to... Well, it's a reoccurring theme. It reoccurs. Right. But, you know, nearly every week now. Get away with it when you're blasting teams away, when you're moving in front of the Bears by 30 points and they score a couple of late touchdowns. That's okay. But the last couple of weeks, as the team's getting back to one score. I don't know. It's a worrying It's a worrying trend. And I guess it's worrying because, obviously, they can't quite seem to put their finger on how to, how to stop it happening.
1: Because it continues to happen week after yeah. week where they have like a one-quarter or a two-quarter lull. Let's be honest. We're Packer fans, and this is an 11-3 season where you think we're going to win a Super Bowl or we have the opportunity to win a Super Bowl. You don't want to get into a game versus a Kansas City or a Seattle or whoever it might be that we play in the playoffs, and that's a better team. As you said, I think, last week. like We can beat bad teams not scoring in the second half, but we can't beat Kansas City if we don't score in the second half or Seattle or New Orleans. Like that can't happen. So in an average season, if you're eight and eight and you're doing these things and you really don't think you have a shot to win it all, you're just happy to keep winning games, right? We're being a little bit critical because this is a year where the Packers have to have the goal of winning a Super
0: Bowl championship. That's spot on. I think it's a really good point. That's why we're overcritical. It's not because we're disappointed in this team. We're eleven and three, like you say. It's because we sense there's an opportunity here. We sense that there's a as good an opportunity to at least get to the Super Bowl, and then when you're in it, you know you've got a great chance. But we sense that opportunity is there, and we would just we want to grasp it because they, those chances don't come around very often, particularly when you get in the situation where we where you may get home field advantage throughout the playoffs. You know, and there's pluses and minuses, and it may not be as big an advantage this year as, as in other years, but even so, we can sense that you know that road to the Super Bowl is there, and we just want to reach out and grasp it.
1: So before we get to this game any further, a couple of things. Seven Packers made the Pro Bowl. It's indicative of the season they've had, right? You're 11-3. and three, You're the best team in the NFC as of right now, today. You have some great players. And I know you said something about it, Peter, where... It's not a depth thing, but we have high-level, clearly, when you have seven guys make the Pro Bowl, we have high-level guys at certain positions, at
0: very important positions, Absolutely. and it shows by this Pro Bowl berth. Absolutely. You know, you tend to look at key positions on a team, quarterback, left tackle, cornerback. You know, if you were going into a draft, those are the, your starting places, you know, and we've got possibly the best or in, in the top two in each of those slots in the in in the league. You know, and then you know you throw in the other guys uh, that the wide receiver, a running back. You've got high high quality players at lots of positions. It's good, and you know you've got a couple of guys that that probably should have made the team. Bobby Tonian. I'm not from Wisconsin, so I have no idea how you I... said it perfectly. <laughs> like from Wisconsin, Peter. It was <laughs> No idea how it's meant to be pronounced, but Bobby didn't make it. Corey Lindsley, I think, will be disappointed not to have made the Pro Bowl this year. Although, bizarrely, I think probably because of all the publicity that Elton Jenkins has had, with being able to play multiple positions and all of that kind of thing, that's probably worked as a disservice towards Corey Lindsley getting in this year. It shouldn't have done, but I think that's probably what's happened. I would 100% agree with that.
1: I think Lindsley was hurt, one, by being hurt, yeah. and two, by Jenkins moving in and playing at such a high level. Absolutely. Like, I think th- those two things go together, and Lindsley should be in the Pro Bowl. Even if you're not a Packer fan, I think you can agree on that. It's just it didn't happen. And I do think that teams, when they are good, sometimes get snubbed, like Zadarius Smith said from last year, because you have too many guys in the Pro Bowl. I think the Packers get hurt this year by that. I think Lindsley and Tanyan, who absolutely should be in the Pro Bowl, are getting snubbed for whatever reason. I think the interesting thing is, like, Tanyan, TJ Hawkinson – Who is a pretty good player, right? Like he's but he plays for the Lions. It almost feels like we gotta get at least one guy in the Pro Bowl from the Lions. So this is the closest we're gonna get. His statistics are better than Tanyan's. They are. I mean, he's got sixty catches. TJ Hawkinson has sixty catches, almost seven hundred yards, but doesn't have as many touchdowns. So you could debate it back and forth and say Tanyan is more deserving. Hawkinson is more deserving but I
0: really do think he gets help because he plays for the Lions and the Lions are ass yeah uh, I, I, <laughs> yeah I mean I've no I've no problem with with Hawkinson getting in um, mm-hmm. it's it's the other guy that you just Evan Ingram you just you just struggle with yeah catches and yards are pretty much the same as as, as Bobby Tonian's and then Tonian's got 10 touchdowns and then when you start looking at drops and all of those other statistics, it just doesn't seem to make any sense at all. The only thing I will say is sometimes the Pro Bowl seems to have a lag on it. A Guys have quite so. a high, high profile and get in and then guys that should get in don't get in until the following year. Aaron Jones didn't make the Pro Bowl last year. He made it this year, it'd be difficult to say he's having a better year this year than he had last year. You know, he's right up there, but it's probably... It's not better than it was last year. Is Zadarius Smith the same? So there seems to be this kind of one-year lag, and I think that, you know, next year, when when it gets round to time for voting, people will have Bobby Tonian higher in their minds, and, you know, hopefully if he repeats this season or has even better year he will make it next year
1: I mean if he has a similar season next year that bodes well for the Packers yeah and he should make it right I was actually gonna say that too like it's always a year lag like some guys need to earn the respect before they can actually get the birth that they really deserve so Hawkinson's having a great year Evan Ingram and this is no barometer for success but if you're on my fantasy bench as a tight end you're not a pro bowler i'm sorry marcy has evan Ingram on his and she's in first place in our league so shout out to you marcy there you go i actually gave you some props on the show
0: well she should probably be doing the podcast
1: then she should <laughs> t- thanks a lot peter i'm gonna cut that out you know that right <laughs> She should she's in first and i'm in second so there i go i am giving her she also lost though in the first round of the playoffs and i'm still alive so whatever But anyway, Evan Ingram is on her fantasy bench, and at the tight end position, there's not 10 good tight ends in the entire league, AFC or NFC. Evan Ingram is on her bench, and he's in the Pro Bowl. Anyway, I told you I was drinking before this. It's only 4.29 central time. I've been off of work for 29 whole minutes. All right, so let's keep moving on. So a little bit more uh, somber. Kevin Green passed away this week. Fifty-eight years old. I saw a lot of love from former Packers and current Packers guys that knew him. Seemed like a super dude on top of yeah. a great
0: player. You know, you remember him from his playing days, particularly with the Rams. You know, for the for the majority of his playing career, and he was that guy with the with the flowing locks. You know, a bit like Clay Matthews, if you like him. Sack after sack after sack, and a pump. You know, dominant pass rusher in his in his pomp. I remember later in his career. Him playing for the Panthers and played for the Panthers in that championship game against the Packers in in '96. But yeah, you know, as Packers fans, we'll always remember him for that Super Bowl, the 2010 Super Bowl year, wonderfully captured by NFL Films. Him talking to Clay Matthews on the sideline, "It's time." You know, we'll always remember that. And it's it's just, I mean, when I saw the news come through, you just couldn't just couldn't believe it. You know, just couldn't fathom. Same generation, you know, yes. as as myself and. It just, 58's no age, and it's just, it's, a, it's an awful thing, and just, I mean, it's just, it's just really, really sad. And
1: It is. It's too soon. 58 is too soon. Kevin Green had 160 career sacks. I honestly, when I was looking at his statistics in preparation for this, I didn't know that he played as long as he did. Yeah. I guess that's the thing, and I don't want to call it a 160 sacks, a longevity thing, Because guys play this long and don't get to 160 sacks. He's third all time. That's crazy. I don't think that if you were, you know, before he passed, if you would have said, okay, name who you think are the top three sackers in all of NFL history. I don't think Kevin Green is on that list for many people, unless you really know your stuff. That was really kind of striking to me. Three-time first-team All-Pro. I'm reading off the stuff that you put for us five times, something like that. Just a great Great player. And that play that you talked about, or the the cut that they have from NFL films, is awesome. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you're a Packer fan. That's you as a coach saying something to a player, reminding them how great they are. And this is what great players do in big moments. This is how you're remembered. And I think because Kevin Green was a great player, he's like, he just understands it, right? Like, this is your time. Go make a play, and then Clay Matthews makes a great play, and the game is over. Seemed like a good coach. Kind of walked away from the game. Was he coaching? Yeah,
0: you know, we would love to have had him longer in in Green Bay. Would have been interesting to see what he would have done with Zadarius Smith and
1: Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary. Like, I wonder how – I mean, they're successful now, but a guy that played the position at that level, and if he knows – how do I say this? If he is talking to Clay Matthews in that spot – understanding what it takes at that time there are a lot of great players who are shitty ass coaches like they have no idea how to coach the game because they were so good can't turn that around and teach people but i wonder how you know was kevin green a pretty good coach because he seemed to figure it out so let's talk about the pair the carolina packers
0: game from last sunday well, we've already touched on that, the offense disappearing. I mean, if if we looked at, you know, at the, the, the beginning of the game, the the Packers offense was quite, was quite hot and they got the running game going. Aaron Jones ended up with 145 yards, I think, rushing. And the thing that strikes me about that, and I even tweeted this out, uh, the, the, the Packers had something like 159 yards rushing in the first half alone but only 36 more yards rushing in the, in the second half so it's, yeah. so it's one of those definitely a game of a game of two halves but whilst i'm focusing on that kind of offensive lull i have to say the defense was solid again it wasn't spectacular were one or two plays which i'm sure we're going to talk about absolutely going to talk about as a general point i thought the defense was very solid again anytime you only give up 16 points that's a good defensive performance pretty solid across the board. So, yeah, I think there's some positives to be taken from the defensive side of the ball. I think there's still some positives from the offensive side of the ball. If you turn the game round, if Carolina had jumped out to a 16-point lead and the Packers had come back and and scored 24 points in the second half, same result, 24-16. You'd have said, ah, that Packers offense really got it together in the second half and come from behind. What a great game it turned out to be. So it's funny how... You can see things a different way just because of the order in which they, they happen.
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting perspective because you're 100% right. The Packers rolled the 24 points in the second half. Great comeback. Everybody's yep. talking about, well, yeah, Rogers' statistics were shit, but he still pulled them back and, and they won the game. And I will say that the defense won this game. I think that giving up 16 points, albeit to Carolina, who doesn't score a ton of points, but still – They made plays. It looked like a defense that is turning the corner, and we've talked about this a couple times, but they won this game. Yes, the Packers scored 24 points, but giving up 16, I think, is the key, right? And having stops and that turnover we'll talk about in a second, those things are huge. Those are the things you need the defense to do going forward because all these games are big going forward. Let's just talk about that great play now. The Chris Barnes play was the play of the game. It changed the momentum of the game. And yes, Carolina came back. But imagine Carolina scores a touchdown on that play. And they should have. They were, what, eight inches, nine inches away from scoring a touchdown. Not only does it change the score, it changes the whole
0: momentum of that football game. So Chris Barnes, i huge. Oh, you're absolutely right. I mean, people talk about game-changing plays. I'm not sure that wasn't a game-winning play. And with the type of defense that the Packers have, and I think we've touched on this before, is that is that when you have that bend-but-don't-break defense, you have to come up with those big plays eventually. That's part of what bend-but-don't-break means, is you don't give up huge chunks of yards on the basis that if the offense has to run enough plays, there'll be a turnover eventually. Just a huge play and a fantastic play by Barnes. And it's a type of play you've seen before, but you don't see that often. But it's one of the reasons why you don't run that quarterback. You almost don't want to call it a quarterback sneak. It's a quarterback dive over the pile. One of the reasons you don't run that play, if you can avoid it at the goal line. Great, great play. Kevin King was on on hand to pick up the fumble. You know, been in the right place at the right time. But Barnes just is all-round play. I think... For the whole of this season when he's been in there has been one of the biggest pluses you know this season drafted free agent nobody expected anything of him you know most people wouldn't have expected him to make the team never mind about putting these types of contributions
1: if i look back at my roster from the the 53 that todd and i picked before the season i'm a thousand percent sure that chris barnes was not one of those guys on the roster clearly i was wrong First time in my life. I mean, it, it, he, is, he has changed the direction of where this linebacker group is going in the future. We've talked about Kirksey and his you know, shortcomings and how he's not been great relative to his salary. But I think you have to look at Chris Barnes and Kamal Martin as the future of the linebacking group. 100%. Now Christian Kirksey had 9 tackles in this game. I watched the game and watched <laughs> the coaches film and I still can't believe it. I look at it and go that can't be right, can it? But that's what it says. 9 tackles he led the Packers in tackles. Whereas Barnes only had 6, not only, but Barnes didn't have as many tackles as Kirksey. But I think you look at this group and you go, okay, Barnes, Martin, are going to start at those inside linebacker positions next yeah, next year.
0: Absolutely, and I expect the inside linebackers to make tackles. You know, I, I'm not great one for. Oldest guy made ten tackles, therefore he he must have had a great game. I expect my inside linebackers to be making making a lot lots of tackles. I also expect them to be making them. You know, within three or four yards of the line of scrimmage, not ten yards down the field. You know, the plays you really look for is yes, you expect them to make those plays and and not give up the big gains in the running game. But you also look for how good are they when they drop in the coverage? Are they able to cover guys coming out of the backfield? Can they cover the tight end? Are they knocking passes You know, and the occasional pass down? Are they giving up penalties every other week in, in pass defence? And I think that's what kind of, for me, Barnes has given us and Kamal Martin's given us. Kirksey just hasn't. And we have to remember with Barnes and Martin is they're both rookies. So if this is where they are in their rookie season, then it's onwards, it's onwards and upwards from here. Let's remember, you know, these guys aren't going to be the second coming of Dick Butkus in their first season. A year from now, two years from now, we expect these guys to progress and, and be even better than they are. So I, I think they're huge pluses.
1: So again, I have to remind myself: the Packers won this game. The <laughs> Packers are eleven and three, but there was a lot of ugly things, and we've talked about the offense going away and being non-existent. But there are a lot of other things that really concern me. They punted on six consecutive drives. That is, and I, again, it goes towards the offense disappearing. Yeah. If you have a drive in between, that's what normally occurs during a football yeah. game. One drive, you score. The next two, you know, you run out. of you know, Something happens, a penalty gets called, or you have a negative yards on a second down or whatever, and that happens. But punting... Six consecutive times is a real trend that we got to figure out how to avoid.
0: The contrast is so stark. They come out in the first drive most games, go down the field, don't look like they can be stopped, you know, score. And that seems to happen for the first two or three drives. And then this all of a sudden, it's like a completely different team's out there on offense. And you can't see where the next first down's coming from. And that's very much what it appeared to be on Saturday night. David Bakhtiari and Lucas Patrick did not have their best games. No, they got whipped in this game. Brian Burns gave them absolute fits with his quickness. Patrick was getting a lot of heat, but I think that Bakhtiari struggled just as much as Patrick did. So I think that didn't help at all, you know, giving up five sacks and just feeling like that left side of the Packers line, which is normally one of the strengths, was struggled badly.
1: And I think that then caused all these other issues. I mean, they gave up five sacks in this game, and Brian Burns on one play literally just ducked under Bakhtiari and ran by him. That amount of quickness, now there's a couple of things that stuck out to me after I watched Coach's film. One, Brian Burns doesn't have a whole lot of stuff in his repertoire right now, but he is lightning fast. His step off the line, that quick first step, He is really good in that spot. I don't know. Right now he can use his athletic ability and his quickness and his speed to run by guys, but I think he's going to have to come up with more things. Well, we talked about the comparison between Burns and Rashawn Gary, but I look at it and go, I feel pretty good about Rashawn Gary because I feel like he's learned things in his first two years that I think Burns is going to have to learn. He's going to have to, you know, have a bigger bag of tricks. I know I keep repeating myself. But yes, that offensive line on the left side, which has been outstanding. And we just talked about how great Lucas Patrick's year has been. And it has been, minus this one game. They really look bad. And it probably goes on to what our next point. Our next point was, they ran for a ton of yards in the first half. And then it just felt like they stopped running the ball in the second half.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, Lafleur came out in his post-game presser and kind of indicated that some of the decisions I guess that Rodgers made at the line of scrimmage in in terms of the run pass options should have been should have been runs and they they turned into into passes so you know there's stuff to be worked on there I mean the the good news about something like that is if they really have recognized what the issue was that's something that can be worked on you know your bigger concern is when you get into that situation and and they don't recognise an issue because then you can't fix it. But clearly that was a problem. They got away from the running game, a running game that had been huge, absolutely huge. At one point, I thought they were going to rush for 300 yards. That's, yeah. how, that's how huge that the running game was in the, in the first half and just completely disappeared. And it's easy to get away from it, I guess, when, you know, if you get into this situation where you pass on first down and that's a sack or even an incomplete pass and then suddenly you're at second and 10 or second and 12, well, those are passing downs anyway, and you kind of, all of a sudden, you just you get yourself away from that running game.
1: The thing that I thought of, though, when I saw this was, okay, it's an RPO. Well, then fucking don't call an RPO. Yeah. Call an actual a straight running play. Yeah. Like, okay, if Rogers is taking the decision-making away from the coach, then just call a run. A straight run. Now, granted, Rogers can still check out of stuff at the line of scrimmage. I get that. If you're giving him the opportunity to run or pass, and he's not running, and you were very successful running the ball in the first half, then change the way you're, you're calling your plays. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't. It seems like it's pretty simple. I know it's not because you don't. I don't see what the defense is giving on any play. But if the team plays that three-three-five that Carolina plays it seems like you should be running more than you're passing.
0: I agree. And I'm a great believer. I know you have to have some diversification on on offense, but I'm also a great believer that if you're running or passing, it doesn't matter which way around it is. But if if you're racking up that number of yards, then for me, you keep doing it. And you keep doing it until they stop you. Yes. I'm a huge believer in that. Here's what we're going to do. Now you stop us. You know, that's, what next Sunday's opponents, Tennessee, will do. If they start racking up yards on the ground with Derrick Henry, just we're just going to see Derrick Henry all day. until such yep. time as the Packers prove they can stop it.
1: I'm not that smart, Peter. I've proved that over 26 <laughs> episodes. But I can see if you're running the ball successfully,
0: you should continue to run the ball. I don't yeah. know. I don't get it. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and that was – I hate to keep harping back to history, but that was always Vince's philosophy, you know, with the power sweepers. You may know it's coming. But until you stop it, I'm just going to keep running it. And I'm going to keep running it. I'm going to keep running
1: it. Let's talk a little bit about defense. And we did already before. We talked about Chris Barnes and how great he was in this game. And he is linebacker one. He's inside linebacker one at this point. The only issue I have with that is, can he be exposed because he's young in the playoffs or in these last two regular season games? Now, there isn't a ton of film on Chris Barnes, so it's not like they can start to attack tendencies because he hasn't played enough downs to, I would say, have tendencies yet. But I do think that him and Kamal Martin do attack the line of scrimmage and therefore could be taken advantage of. Whereas Kirksey, I would hope, even though he hasn't shown it, should be able to be a little more versatile. So should Kirksey still play? I think so. But I think that Barnes should be out there with the green dot on his helmet, at least on first and second down.
0: It's a good question. And, and, and you think of guys that fly around the field like Barnes does. The way that you try and you know, offensively, you know, that just calls for misdirection and play action. Because if he's going to attack the line of scrimmage, then you feel like there has to be lots of space in that 10 to 15 yard area. In essence, the space that he's vacated. I think at this stage of the season, I think you're right. I think you, you've got the three of them and I think you have to you have to use the three of them. It is what it is now at this, at this stage of the season. It would be helped strongly if the Packers could get more push up front. I thought Kenny Clark had a good game. I don't quite know where our friend Lancaster Lowry was for... <laughs> Lancaster he... Lowry had two tackles. That's just generally a problem for the Packers and there has been for you know, a number of years and we're not going to fix it between now and the Super Bowl. It's getting that pressure up front is both in the passing game and and in the running game is is so important.
1: Can you get ahead? Can you force them to stop running in a different way? We've talked about it a billion times. I really think that's the key. Get ahead. Force them to pass. There was a series in the first half where the Packers knocked down like every pass. It seemed like they knocked down everything that was getting thrown. Amos had... I mean a good game, but he also had that one series where I felt like he was all he was like Superman in that one
0: series. I had, had a good game again. And Kevin King is the enigma he's always been. I think I said to you, you know, he's he could be the good, bad and the ugly all in the same game. <laughs> and he, he could be the good, bad and the ugly on three plays. You yes. Know, he's, I know in this day and age it's difficult to play corner. really is difficult to play corner and and, and you wanna have a physical guy and they're gonna give up the odd penalty here and there. But I don't know. I just don't know what you have in All things together, you have a solid starting corner in the NFL. It's just so frustrating. It's just really frustrating to watch him play.
1: It is. And you know he's going to get picked on because the other side is Jair Alexander. So they're not going to throw that ball his way barely at all. So King is going to get the majority of the balls thrown his way, him and Sullivan. And yeah, one day you're like, wow. The Packers need to sign Kevin King. Look yeah. at the plays he's making. And then what, next week, you're like, oh my God, you can let that <laughs> guy walk. He sucks. What is he doing out there? <laughs> it's exactly what you just said. He can be so bad in some plays. Now, granted, he has not given up a ton of long plays. Like, he's not that guy, yeah. but he is giving up that 20-yard in, or the, he's letting guys go. I really think it comes down to Kevin King is a man-to-man corner. Yeah. He's not that shutdown guy that Alexander, he's not a Deion Sanders type where you just, whoever you want him to cover, you just have Kevin King chase that guy around. But I think he's better in man. He doesn't 100% get when to let guys go in zone. Coming down these last five games, he's got to be consistent. That's all. Just be consistent in those five games. He won't be, because he never is. (laughs) He just keeps moving on. But speaking of consistent, Mason Crosby is exactly that. He cannot, oh boy. (laughs) Knock on wood. He has not missed a field goal
0: yet. Similar to what we said last, you just feel when he steps up to kick one, whether it's 20 yards or 55 yards, 51 yards, He's gonna kick it. You just don't get the feeling like he's gonna miss, you know, which is a great thing to have. You know, it's it's three anytime you pass the thirty-five yard line or so, even the forty yard line, you know you've got three points in the bag. So who's your MVP in this game? I think I've got to go with Chris Barnes because I feel like it, it would be a toss up between him and, and Aaron Jones. But for me, that play in particular, I think was a game winning play. As you said, we don't know what would have had they scored there, and I expected them to score there. You know the momentums with them, and momentum is a huge thing in football. It's a weird thing, but it's a huge thing in football. I just think it was. Without trying to repeat myself, I'll repeat myself and say it's Chris Barnes, and and you know that was a game winning play.
1: And I will repeat you also <laughs> because I think Chris Barnes is the MVP of this game. Aaron Jones statistically had a great game, and if. Things would have went differently in the second half, and the Packers would have scored a touchdown or two, and it would have been kind of out of reach. Then the Barnes play on the goal line is not quite as big. But as you look at it, it was a one-score win, and there's your one score. Chris Barnes, my MVP also. So as we look forward to next week, Titans, Packers. Let's just start with this dude. Derrick Henry has 1,679 yards rushing. Have you seen the memes on Twitter <laughs> where he is like they show that guy for the Lions to who he's whipping out of bounds and they shrink him down to like this tiny time? <laughs> <size. laughs> That's awesome. I will say this, though. Derrick Henry whipped that dude out of bounds and then didn't get any yards. So it looked badass. But in it, in all, for all intents and purposes, that didn't work to do anything. He went out of bounds immediately after that. He got no yards after whipping that guy down. So
0: There's very few words to describe Derek Henry in, in this day and age. You, know, you don't get a dominant running back of that style. You don't get many of those in this day and age. Back 20, 30 years ago, you had the Eric Dickersons and the Earl Campbells and, and the big backs with good speed. You just don't get many of those guys. You get more of the smaller... Agile, Aaron Joneses, Nick Chubbs, those kind of guys these days. I mean, I like that. I like having a back that's kind of a throwback, except when you have to play him. He's that guy that he can beat you in the first quarter or the second quarter, but he's also that guy that can you can hold him to 20 yards in the first half and he'll rush for 150 in the second half. So it doesn't feel like... You know, Unless you get a huge lead, he doesn't feel like a guy that you can take out of the game. If I'm Tennessee, even if I'm going behind, I'm not taking him out of the game. I keep rushing him and keep rushing him, and eventually he breaks one.
1: Yeah, that's a very good point. Teams have to get away from the run in most circumstances because they're behind. But he's lightning in a bottle. Derrick Henry can make the big play with his feet, where they don't have to throw the ball continuously because, yeah, he can break that long run, and he's shown late in games he tends to do that. Guys get tired of getting hit in the mouth, and all of a sudden Derrick Henry is running straight down the field to score a touchdown. He's dangerous. This is a big game for the Packers. Now, I know that the Packers can lose this game, beat the Bears, and still be the number one seed in the NFC, and there's importance to that, as we've talked about. But I really think this is an important game because – they need to show that they can beat good teams. They can beat the Bears. The Bears are ass. I'm sorry. I know that they're in the hunt, right? They're in the hunt. I know this is an audio podcast. You can't see me with my finger quotes up. But the, the Bears aren't good. The Bears aren't a playoff team. They're going to be 8-8 eight and eight or whatever. And I know that they keep showing up on that weird nerds like thing that he does. The guy with the glasses. You know what I'm talking about? Now he's on Fox. I don't know. There's some guy that's oh, like the, circling stuff. And he's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, they have yeah, like yeah, an 83.7% yeah. yeah. chance of making the playoffs. <laughs> I know they keep, he keeps showing up on that board. But the Bears aren't making the playoffs. And even if they do, they're going to get smashed in the first round. So go, I just want to go back to it. This is a good football team. They're in the AFC Championship last year. They have Derrick Henry. I think this is an important game because the Packers need to show that they can beat good teams.
0: Absolutely, and, you know, the Packers have only beaten one team with a winning record so far this season, and that's wow. the Saints. Oof. And when you when you look at it like that, you know, it, it, the Packers schedule looks, looks a little bit soft. However, you can only beat the teams that you play. But, yeah, I think that, you know, Tennessee is a playoff standard team, and when you play those teams, it gives you, particularly at this stage of the season when – Every team has its identity by now. It gives you a good marker as to where you are. I think it's going to be a really tough game. Ryan Tannehill doesn't turn the ball over. You know, he's been surprisingly good this year. 31 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, 110 passer rating. It certainly surprised me. I I didn't think he was capable of of that kind of season. Now, some of that will obviously be because they've got Derek Henry, he can throw off play action and, and all that stuff. But even so, Davis and Brown, the wide receivers, are good. Brown's going to the Pro Bowl. You don't think of Tennessee as being a, an offense that can put loads of points on the board, but they are. You know, they're number one in the league, I think, in in, in points scored.
1: Yeah, they um, have one or two more points than the Packers. But yeah. I mean, we talked about the Packers and their offense, right? Yeah. Tennessee has more points scored in 2020 than the Green Bay Packers.
0: Yeah, if you think of Tennessee, you immediately think of Derrick Henry and you think this is a pound the ball team, beat you by 28-17, that type of score. But, but they put 40 points on the board in four or five games this year. It's a scary offense. Defense isn't so clever, which all points to a high-scoring game.
1: Yeah, but we looked at Carolina, who made Drew Locke look like Johnny Unitas, <laughs> and then the Packers threw for like 168 yards last week or something like that. So I'm not going to go on that. You know what I mean? Like that their defense can't stop anybody. Aaron Rodgers had 143 yards passing last week. against the Carolina defense that gave up like 320 to Drew Locke. So, yes, it does look like a shootout. My actual concern is the tight end's position. And we've talked about this a billion times in the 26 episodes. Packers can't stop the short pass. They struggle to stop the tight end. While Corey Davis and A.J. Brown are great players, I think they are, and they both are probably going to get 1,000 yards this season, which is awesome. My concern in this game for the Packers is can they stop the tight end group of the Tennessee Titans across the middle? Because it goes back to what you said before. Barnes and Martin are sort of that attack the line of scrimmage. Can they recognize the plays where the tight end is just chipping and dropping into a, a short zone there? We'll see. I would like it to not be a shootout because I really hope – I'm hoping the Packers can stop this offense. Now, it's going to be a shootout because they probably can't. We we have too many lulls, right? Will we have a lull against the Titans? I don't know. We'll see. We're going to talk about their defense. We did a little bit. So, they're 27th in the league overall. They will probably have the best game of their season against the (laughs) Packers. They'll stop the pass. The Packers will score – 29.5 29.5 points or whatever it is that they're averaging. And hopefully they don't give up 30.
0: The Titans, I think I think they've only got something like 14 sacks or that kind of number all, all season. So it's, it, it, they don't get a lot of pressure on the passer. You say 27th or 29th or something in pass defense. But then again, Carolina was somewhere around that. When, certainly in the 20s in pass defense coming into last week. And I expected complete reverses to what happened. I thought the Packers would, would get a lot of yards passing early last yeah. week and, and then run the ball. So what do I
1: know? I thought the same. So I guess we both don't know anything. (laughs) In this game, though, without a big pass rush, it should be, in theory, a crazy game for Aaron Rodgers, where he's got time to throw, and he just picks apart that defense. That's how it should be. I would say that the line, the offensive line, is probably going to be like, they need to have a bounce-back game.
0: I'm sure they were upset about the way they played last week. And hopefully that will happen. Lindsley's been activated, so whether whether he'll play some, I don't know. I mean, I think if he's fit to play, he'll definitely play.
1: If Peter Jones is the head coach of the Green Bay Packers this week, does he play? Yes. To get him I'm,
0: work. Yeah, as much for they've got five games left. Hopefully this season, and I think it's important, particularly so much of offensive line play, particularly in the running game, is about timing, and you know it's going to take it take anybody. At least the game to get back into it, get the timing off with the rest of the offensive line, particularly as it's likely to mean that, you know, Jenkins moves back to, to left guard, Patrick probably moves over to right guard. So you're making three changes at the same time. So I think it's important that they get as many reps as possible with that lineup. So absolutely for me, it, there's no time now to be saving people for the, for, for the playoffs. We want, that, we want that number one seed. We want that first round bye. If they're good to go, they play.
1: I'm with you on that because if he's active, if he's healthy enough to be active, he needs to get work in. It's late in the season, so we'll see. So
0: that's pretty much it. How about a score prediction for this game? Well, I guess it's Sunday night game, so the weather's probably gonna be cold. So it probably knocks the points down a little bit. So I'm I'm gonna go Packers thirty-one, Titans thirty.
1: Okay. So this is a win for you. That's interesting. And I so when Todd and I did this at the beginning of this season, I thought the Packers would be eleven and five. Now clearly that's not gonna happen, in my opinion. I think the Packers will smash the Bears next week, regardless of what they do in this game. I don't think they win this game. And I as much of a homer as I am I just don't – I'm not confident about the fact that they can stop Derrick Henry or this offense because once Derrick Henry gets rolling, then that opens up so much other stuff. So I think the Packers lose this game as much as I want to say that they're going to win, and I think it's similar. I think the Packers lose 31-28, okay. and that, that pains me to say that because I would love to see them go 13-3 and and be wrong about my year prediction on what their wins is.
0: I thought the over-under before the season started was 10 and a half wins. OK, that's that's about where I thought the Packers were. I thought they would actually probably be at least as good as last year, if not better, but would but would win fewer games just because they won so many last year by seven that's points good. or three points or whatever it might be. So I'm now thinking that the, that the Packers are going to go 13 and three. I think these last two games are going to be a struggle, but I think they're going to come through them. And I'm somewhat quietly confident
1: I appreciate your optimism. <laughs> I want them to be 13-3 and three as well. This is going to be, like we talked about, I think this is going to be an interesting game. It's going to be an entertaining game to watch. It's going to be stressful as a Packer fan, but I think it's going to be entertaining. And if it goes down to the wire like both of us think, whether the outcome is one way or the other, it's going to be a good game to watch. I think that's it. So thanks for listening to episode 26. We will see you after a hopeful Packers win. Go Pack Go! Go Go, Pack Go!